One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to All Stats, aren't we? A podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings on Elland Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm John McKenzie, the numbing sense of deja vu of the podcast. Here we go again. And I'm joined by the head loss of the podcast, Tom Alderson. Keep it together, mate. And finally, the soft underbelly of the podcast, leeching goals with wild abandon. It's Darren Driver. Darren, how are you doing? Fucking rubbish. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I, I feel pretty terrible about football this morning, but I'm, I feel much better uh, looking at how awful Tom looks uh, <laughs> on camera. So uh, thanks, Tom. You're, you're helping me out today, brother. I'm, I really appreciate it. Yeah, you don't look like a man who got a good night's sleep, Tom. No, I didn't. I, considering I'm the youngest person on the podcast, I do not feel like it at the moment. I feel absolutely horrendous. But I think this is our 100th episode of the weekly, so what better way to celebrate than by me, you and Darren doing a <laughs> review of a loss once again. <laughs> I think we should probably work out the statistics on you two doing a review podcast together because I don't think there's been many where we've won. No, no. definitely haven't. And most of them have been pretty heavy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Much like Tom's night last night by the looks of it. But <laughs> let's get on with this. I think we need to inject positivity, so I'm going to be positive. You two can do whatever you like. How are you then, John? John, are you okay? Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I'm good. You always say that Jacob is the only person that asks you, um, so I'm now asking you uh, so that Jacob doesn't always get the, the gold star. So how are you? I've basically guilted you guys into being nice, so which I suppose is one way of doing it. I can't see it happening any other way, but yeah, I'm I'm doing really well. I'm spending the month in in Cambridge, and I'm hanging out with pals that I haven't seen for ages, which is really nice. So yeah, I fortunately yesterday, straight after the game, uh, my German team Freiburg were playing, so I could watch them and pretend that the other game hadn't happened. And then immediately after that, I went out for drinks and dinner with friends, and then. I, yeah, it's almost as though nothing happened yesterday. <laughs> anyway, thank you for listening to the podcast. But, uh. <laughs> Should we just do a Freiburg review instead? That might be more fun. <laughs> no, they were much better, so uh, oh, right, I don't think okay. that'll help me. Let's talk about the games. Yeah, yesterday we lost 5-1 to Manchester United. Uh, I'm assuming most people knew that. Uh, I'll just give a quick summary of the game. So we, we played in a 4-1-4-1. The interesting 
structural uh, lineup issues were that Dallas played at left back. We wondered whether or not he'd play in central midfield, uh, but Junior wasn't started. Rodrigo played in central midfield. We were unsure as to whether or not Robin Cock would play at defensive midfield, but he did. And then uh, Pascal Strauch started at right centre-back, so we had two left-footed centre-backs. The first half, we seemed like we played in a sort of low mid-block for much of the first half. We seemed really nervous to engage in a high forward press, particularly when Manchester United were building up from the back. We went in 1-0 at half-time, and I think the first goal at Fernandes' goal was a sign of things to come. Uh, we saw a situation where McTominay picked the ball up in the middle with acres of space. He also found Pogba in space and uh, Robin Koch lost his man and the balls uh, chipped through for, for him there. And that was a sort of story of the, the day. Lots of um, poor marking in central spaces. Uh, and then uh, I guess Manchester United playing quite incisive balls in behind the defence and, and then um, coming off for them. Second half, we saw Rodrigo coming off for Junior, who went to left back and then Dallas went into midfield. Um, and we saw a little bit more of that zonal press that we talked about a lot last season. Um, there's times when you can look at the, the the layout on the pitch at various points in the second half, and it's almost like we're playing a double pivot. Uh, again, this made things, I think, a little bit worse because we were putting even less pressure then on the players in midfield or defence. Um, Victor Lindelof had a, a wonderful ball through, which resulted in a goal because he was under zero pressure, pretty much. Um, so again, there, there were issues with giving creative players time and space on the ball um, in in midfield and central areas uh, and then there was a flurry of quick goals um, after after we scored a wonderful goal we weren't able to celebrate that for longer than a minute and then um, it felt a little bit as though we collapsed I think um, and that yeah there was a the flurry of, of those quick goals which were all as I say initiated from central spaces with with United Manchester United players in in space I will do a video analysis of this um, because I think it's quite interesting how every single one of the goals that, that, that we conceded yesterday was initiated by a Manchester United player in space un, unpressured um, who was then able to fi- either find a teammate who scored or play the pass before the pass um, so I'll, I'll have a look at and that certainly for the first three goals John they all came from us turning the ball over in quite a sloppy way as well I, I think the fourth one's a bit of an exception because because Man United were in good possession at that time but actually the other three came from us not responding to turning the ball over quickly enough in, in my view rather than any individual errors yeah, and I think I think Marcelo Bielsa mentioned that in his post-match comments. There were some interesting comments that I think a lot of people didn't agree with, uh, particularly about Robin Koch, but we'll talk about that. But he did say that we weren't dangerous enough in, in the areas where we needed to be dangerous enough, and uh, that was what, what did for us. We're going to move into a new section. We've restructured this uh, weekly podcast. Um, so the first section I literally just came up with last night, I've called the interrogation. And what I'm going to do in these sections is I'm just going to ask you guys five questions um, that I think sort of represent important aspects of the game. Uh, that will give us some good talking points and then we can we can go into some of the listener questions. So my first question for Tom Alderson is this. Why is it that Manchester United seem to have figured us out? I don't know how to go about this really because I feel like we played into their hands quite a lot with this one. Like this, the second game last year, we they they didn't have us figured out because we we played differently. But so we but to, yesterday we played very well. We pretty much played the same team as we did in the first game last year where we lost six two. So I feel like we played into their hands a bit. And Solskjaer's used the same tactics in all three games, and in two games it's worked. So you think that we would have learned not to do what we did in that first game. Um, he used Bruno Fernandes to drag Robin Cock this time rather than Calvin Phillips. 
out of position, and that just left so much space in the middle that um, there was Pogba yesterday that was just he had all the time in the world when he drifted inside, and I thought that was a really clever move by Solskjaer, as much as I don't like to give him credit. But by playing Pogba on the left, it just it gave him sort of the ability to drift inside and sort of just absolutely tear us apart. And you can see see that by his four assists and how involved he was in all the goals. I think it's because yesterday and in the first game they were just incredibly quick in their their attacking transitions, and and that that's what allowed them to to run at our back four completely unimpeded. Um, I also think that that they've got genuinely elite players whose strengths almost exactly correlate with our weaknesses. Um, and if you give Bruno Fernandes and Paul Pogba, Paul Pogba and even, you know, McTominay in deeper areas, time and space, and McTominay's the first pass and he's looking for a creative player. And if you don't kind of cut that pass out or make sure that that creative player hasn't got, got time and space, they're just going to pick any team off uh, in the in the world and... Um, we, we, yeah, Tom's right. We absolutely did play into their hands from from that point of view. But it was the, it was the attacking transitions, I think, that really killed us. Yeah, I think when we, when you play one v one across the field, it all comes down to individual battles. And it feels as though when you play a team like Manchester United, who are now just have, like you say, elite players in pretty much every position, all of those micro battles are just going to be won by Manchester United players, which I think is part of part of the issue. And then, as you said, speedy transition which causes us problems at the best of times and then really good movement off the ball players pulling uh, other players out of position add all of that together and it, it does make for a bit of a bit of a nightmare well the, the other thing is that, that Bielsa always says when we play against these top teams I mean he didn't say it this weekend but he said several several times that that when we're playing up against this, these top teams the, the, the way that we can get a result is by making their players worse on the day and we just absolutely failed to do that yesterday. Just comprehensively failed to do that. We actually just allowed them to play to their own strengths throughout the entire match. We made them better, if anything. Well, yeah. I mean, if Scott McTominay only ever played against Leeds United, then we would forget that a player called Zinedine Zidane existed. So <laughs> <laughs> he seems to be kryptonite to a Matthias Click, doesn't he, McTominay? There's something about about the way the way he kind of initiates movements that that Click seems to really struggle with, and it was quite a few times in the first half we got away with it, uh, in my view as well. Uh, question number two: What went wrong with Robin Koch? Darren, we'll go with you on this one. He did lose his man for the first, but because it was an attacking transition, I can kind of see that uh, we'd given the ball away on the halfway line, and just the entire team failed to react to it. So I'm I'm not going to single out Koch on that one. Um, I thought he was really badly at fault for the fourth goal, um, which was the the one where um, Bruno Fernandes was slipped in down the side and lashed the ball into the, the top of the net. Um, he was so badly at fault for that because actually at the, at the start of that move, we we had all their players marked in, in, and we were in really good order. Fernandes takes two steps forward and not even particularly quickly, just just goes back behind Cock and makes a run and he just summarily fails to kind of spot it. Um but actually other than that I thought that I thought he wasn't as bad as as the the kind of press that he's had um particularly on Twitter have been. Um yeah, I I thought that um some of his on-ball work was sloppy. Like there were a couple of times in the first half where he's trying a little back heel and a little this and a little that instead of just taking the ball in and knocking a simple pass off which was what I think was required. So I think from that point of view he he didn't particularly help, but I think I think the the biggest problem was that he struggled to find a way to find space when our defensive players had 
had possession because I think I think their front four worked really effectively to to cut the passing lanes off in, because they know that our DM facilitates fil- facilitates the build up by making himself available to the centre backs and more often to the full backs and they just stopped that from happening. So um, I I thought that. I thought he wasn't great, but I don't think he was anywhere near as bad as, as some people have made out. How about you, Tom? You were at the game, right? So what did you notice from the stands? Yeah, it was it was weird that their fourth goal, that I actually was focusing on Cock and Fernandez, so I literally saw him lose his man, and I was like, oh shit, now the ball's going over the top. And so I, like, I, I saw that, like, basically, it was weird how I just focused on that point when it, when it happened. But I, I'd, I'd probably agree with everything Darren says. Like, I don't... I think a few people have also said that Phillips would have made a difference. I don't. I think we're going to come on to this anyway. I don't think Phillips would have made much difference yesterday. I think they, like Darren said, they would have just stopped the ball going to Phillips rather than going to Cock. And F- Phillips is like he's probably a little bit better at trying to make himself free from from his marker, but like not not so much that he would have made any difference yesterday. I think the, the, their first goal, he um, he did lose Fernandez, but he was a great run by Fernandez. Like the ball, I think the ball goes out wide to Pogba, and he's already it's like a third man run. We we know from how often Leeds use them that how difficult they are to mark. Um, I just yeah, on the ball, he, he wasn't the best, but I I don't again, I don't think that made a huge difference. So I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about him playing that position again because I do think he is definitely the the best backup to um, Phillips if we need him. John, what did you make of him? I think people are very critical of whoever plays in defensive midfield in games where we leave the defensive midfielder just open to be overrun. Um, so there'll often be games, I think, where people... Maybe it's a game when, when Phillips doesn't play and people say, oh, you know, Phillips would have made the difference. We are going to come on to talk about this. But I think the more important question is, and it, it may, I personally think Phillips would have been better yesterday because I think yesterday was a game when we needed a more defensive defensively mobile player in that position and I think Phillips would have worked better but I also think that people forget about the the sort of structural nexus that 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 player's fitted into and yeah I don't think I don't think there was a huge amount of support for for Koch um, particularly in the second half like when you you look at what's what's just re-watching the game yesterday particularly the second half the 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 man marking was just all over the place and the only way I can explain that is that once those flurry of goals went in, heads went down, and there was less impetus for for these players to to stay tight to their players. Um, but yeah, I think it's a it's obviously a chastening experience for Robin Koch. The the interesting that you both picked up on the fourth goal because what I noticed from that fourth goal is that when Bruno makes the run, he actually runs very close to another Leeds United player um and runs round him in a, and and it means that Robin Koch's run gets slowed down uh, it's really really intelligent movement um i can't remember who the player was i'd have to go back and watch it but if you could watch that i think i'm pretty sure it's the fourth goal um where he 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 runs in between the two center backs but he runs past i think one of the center backs and it means that Robin Koch gets blocked off the ball um so, so that's quite interesting to to as well just as a side comment I feel like Bruno did that a couple of times yesterday. I don't know if that was something that you'd picked up, but he did sort of tend to go around another Leeds player and Cock was sort of blocked. So I don't know if that was something he was doing intentionally or it was just or it just happened by design. Yeah, just a bit of Cock blocking on the field, I suppose. <laughs> Question three, why did the second half change not work? And, and I guess, why did it work worse than it did in the first half? So, Tom, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, so we've seen last, last uh, the second half of last season, we kind of saw that having Dallas in that zonal position sort of made us more defensive. But the problem yesterday that was by going zonal, it didn't increase 
like the pressure or um, on the uh, Manchester United midfield. So they still have the same amount of time on the ball. So they could just pick us off in the same ways. And so the, it didn't... The only thing it may may have done, I don't know if this is something that I'm getting wrong here, but they kind of also allowed them to uh, the centre back to sort of run out a bit more freely as well. So I just felt like it they meant it didn't make any difference because they were just able to pick us off in the same way because they had the same time on the ball. I don't know if you would agree with this, Darren, but uh, it felt to me as though if we'd have pressed more aggressively, weirdly, we might have been a little bit better off defensively. I mean, maybe we would have just created other problems for ourselves further down the field but it did feel like I, I have isolated those sort of moments when Manchester United midfielders have the ball in space and time and then they're able to either play the uh, immediate pass or play the, the third man or initiate a third man run um, scenario um, what what did you make of the of the of the pressing I guess in general over the first and second half well if you look if you look particularly at Manchester United's second goal where um which is the one where Pascal Strauch is outpaced by Greenwood uh, down the left-hand side. Um, the, the the problem there is not that Pascal Strauch can't run quickly enough. The problem there is that we don't put any pressure on the ball when we've turned it over, and that that kind of ha- that's that absolutely played uh, in, into their hands. And and you know there were there were Luke Alien and Matthias Click were both in the area where they could have applied pressure to the ball, where they could have got in a space to pick their man up and neither of them did and I, th- I think that that was kind of instructive because it, it, it really indicated the problems that we had throughout the game that that although yeah we, we saw the kind of more zonal approach work at the game at, uh, at Elland Road um, at the end of last season but but actually we played a completely we, we committed more or less committed to a low block through, throughout the entirety of that game whereas I, I feel like in this game we didn't commit to either a low block or a high press we kind of did neither we sort of sat in the middle and in, in, in a way that that is is always going to give um op- opponents the upper hand. So if if we're gonna if we're gonna you know commit um all of our team effectively into the Manchester United half, which is what we did for that second goal, then we need to be applying a really ri- a really rigid, really robust, really intense high press. And and we just didn't do that. We kind of as soon as they got the ball, we kind of dropped off. And and that just left us with, uh, in such dangerous and vulnerable situations time and time again. I, I know they only had five shots in the second half, but the number of situations that they engineered where things could have been so much worse for us, um, you know, it was it was it was a repeated thing, and it happened a number of times in the first half too. This is not just something that happened in the second half. In the second half, they were more incisive and took took the opportunities, but actually, we gave them lots of opportunities to do the same things in the first half. We've touched on this question already, but question four is, would Calvin Phillips have made a difference? So let's keep this nice and, and, and short and sweet. So Darren, what do you make on this? I, I think he might have done some individual things better than Robin Cock did. But but as you've already touched on, John, I think the problems that um, that we really had were higher up the pitch than, than, than that player. So yeah, he may have followed uh, Bruno Fernandes run a couple of times more effectively he may have been able to retain possession in some of the areas where Robin Cock gave it away but in terms of a result impact indifference I don't think so and Tom I suspect you will agree with that yeah I completely agree with that it may, maybe just make it, our build-ups a bit better but I, I think we're looking at it like it's 4-2 or f- f- 5-2 as well or like I don't know it doesn't the results change the same I've forgotten the score already. <laughs> <laughs> Question five, which is one that a lot of people were were sending our way on on the Twitter sphere yesterday. Should we be worried, Tom Alderson? Not not long term. I think it's too early to panic yet. But 
we I was fairly worried on the preview podcasts, uh, so it's weird that I'm I expected it, so it's not as bad. It, I don't know if that answers the question or not. <laughs> Darren, yeah, no more no more worried than we were on the preview episode for for this game or for this for the season. You know, the the problems that we've got are the problems that we've got, and so far in the window, the club haven't moved to address them. So that means that when we come up against a team like this, and thanks, thankfully there aren't too many teams like this in the league that 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 you know they're kind of quite. I know you can't modify unique, but they they are a unique proposition because they've they've they've, they've got a kind of very you know if you give them space they've got a kind of wildly creative ability which which I don't think other teams in the, in the league can necessarily replicate. But um, I think that I, I think that if we don't pull a result from the next two games, a win from the next two games, and I think I think that changes the tenor of the season somewhat. So I, th- I think that although I'm not not kind of worried in in a really fundamental way yet i think that there are some worrying indicators that we haven't addressed issues that that we've known that we've had for a long time um so i think that's that's the worry that i carry but actually i still think we'll be fine and i'm no more worried than i was in the preview for the season the only thing that worried that does worry me was the sort of lack of clear approach that we've kind of saw in the game because it was like i wasn't sure if we were pressing high or low block or if we're playing a zone we're playing a zone or center mid or a or playing well, Rodrigo there. So like, I would the only thing I would kind of like to see in the next few matches is like a clarity of approach. That because if we didn't see that, that would probably worry me more. I think as well the problem is is that when our system breaks down, it looks absolutely shocking. But then you can play a game the the following week and it looks fine. So even in preseason, the difference between playing Ajax versus playing Villarreal, where Ajax we were just absolutely humiliated and then against Villarreal the press looked okay and the game looked a lot more even and I think that's the problem is that you you, you watch a game like yesterday and you and you think this just looks absolutely abject I can't see us ever performing well and then next week we'll probably come out fine probably press fine cause problems look quite dangerous in the counter-attack and then suddenly you're like well okay maybe it's not going to be that bad so I, I think it is it is all part and part of part and parcel of that experience of being a Leeds fan where where there's a polarity to it where one week you feel absolutely elated and like we can beat anyone and then the next week you just feel as though we'll never get a point again so I think the big the big thing is going to be as Darren mentioned if you can avoid that slump which is what we managed to do last season we didn't have any low momentum um, scenarios where we sort of lost a few on the trot and and, and looked in danger so but I don't think there's any chance of that happening no I think it's also important to remember that, that, that exactly what happened to us yesterday could have happened to us at Anfield last year where the kind of memory of that game is that, that we played really well and gave Liverpool a, a really tough game and that we were unlucky not to to get a result from it but my memory of it is very different from that so I think I think that although there are some indicators there of things that, that we're going to struggle with um, I think you're right. I think I think we will be absolutely fine over the course of the season. Right, the next section is titled Bring a Topic, which is where I allow you two guys to ask a question that we then discuss. So we will start with Tom Alderson. What was your question on the basis of yesterday? So mine was around like Luke Ayling and the sort of man-marking or lack of man-marking of Pogba. Like t- There was times yesterday where Pogba was just free to sort of drift inside um, and Ailing seemed to be sort of hesitant to follow him. Like there was a point I actually thought that we were playing free at the back because Ailing was free rather than like Pogba was in the middle, and it was a bit confusing. Um, so I just wonder what you guys think the solution is because in the past we've seen Lee's players sort of stick to the man marking wherever, wherever the wherever the player goes. But 
I don't know if it, what what it was yesterday that meant that Ailing was hesitant to follow Pogba inside because he just gave him so much space. I, I, I suspect that those times may have come after we turned the ball over and it's just about b- barreling back rather than necessarily trying to kind of, you know, somebody else picking picking your player up in in a transition i think is okay i think but i but i agree with you i don't i don't think Aileen marked him as tightly as as i've seen him mark other players you know there have been other times where you would see luke Aileen pop, popping up on you know the left wing following his following his man right across the pitch and there's that really famous clip from from anfield last year where he'd gone all the way up into the uh, like into our left wing area with Mane and then, and then followed him back. So I, th- I think I think for me it, it is that it is that com- commitment to the ideal. So if if we're man marking, then we man mark and and that and and we kind of put up with the kind of what you know whatever problems that brings us. Because as we as we saw yesterday when we moved to a more zonal approach and tried to play open football, that doesn't work either. I think I think the difference between some of the things last season we played a more zonal approach. But we but we weren't as open in terms of our or, or, or as expansive or as creative in, in in terms of the way that we tried to attack. So I think it's all, it's all interconnected, isn't it? And 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 for me, I think I would much rather see us absolutely one hundred percent commit to that man marking, um, and, and 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 yeah, kind of put up with the problems that that brings than than kind of go with this halfway house approach that seems to happen yesterday. Although, as I say, I do think a lot of it happened because of because of us turning the ball over and then that kind of puts everything into d- disarray doesn't it and and Pogba's really clever whatever people say about Paul Pogba they're wrong most of the time um if he um if he's been given an instruction or he's noticed that when we turn the ball over there's acres of space in the middle then he's the sort of player that's just going to drift into that space and ask for the ball and then he's going to make a which is what happened yeah i think given that what you said about Luke Ayling and his ability to, uh, and and history of tracking players all over the pitch. I suspect it might have been a team instruction yesterday that he stayed a little bit more zonal. Um, it doesn't make any sense to me, but I, I, I don't understand why you would have all of that history of him being able to man-mark players across the field and then yesterday there being scenarios where Pogba's just entirely unmarked in central spaces. Um, whether or not that's because the, the the marking system in the second half is intended to be more zonal and so the idea is that if if he dro- drifts into the middle area then then Dallas is supposed to pick him up um, and and then you keep ailing in in the wide area I don't know it may it may be the case that the the whole problem with the the marking system in the second half was that we did try and be a little bit more zonal um, and and it just sort of fell fell to pieces a little bit it probably looks worse as well when you're thinking this should be a a man to man system but everyone's all over the place. I sent a screenshot yesterday to the um, to the, the group chat, just showing that there was just a scenario where just everyone was in completely different positions, and and uh, there was a couple of Manchester United players completely unmarked uh, in the middle. So I don't know if, if you guys have any thoughts on that. Well, if you watch the fifth goal, the marking for that was like unbelievably bad. Nobody marked anybody at any stage, either zonally or man to man. It was just it was just absolute chaos. And I think I think you're right, John, to a degree people had just given up uh by that stage and, and just weren't doing their work diligently. But but yeah, I th- yeah, it's a it's a difficult one to say because because for me if if Bielsa's given a team instructions and mark more zonally then that goes against everything he's ever said about the way that he does football, which is about you commit one hundred percent to an idea um, and you stick with it, irrespective of what happens. Um, 
because you know I think he said in his I don't know whether it's first or second season that that if the players see the coach give up on an ideal then they will also give up on it because you know that they can see he's not committed to it so I'd be surprised if it was if it was an if it was team instruction to be honest but at the same time I guess we expect them to press much more high up the field and we didn't see that yesterday as well so there was clearly like we were clearly told to sit in a bit more of a mid block um I, I wonder whether or not the the team instruction would have been more like let's make sure that we're not leaving huge gaps in certain places. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, again, I'm speculating here, and I I, I'm, I I hear you. I do think it doesn't seem very Bielsa like, but I also think what we did last the second half of last season with da- Dallas in a sort of more zonal s- situation was very Bielsa like as well. Um, so yeah, I guess we need more sample size to to determine what what it is but I I also suspect it's probably just a Manchester United thing that worry that we had the 6-2 last time let's make sure we avoid this again and in fact then create the conditions to make it happen again I think it may have um, it may be just a Manchester United thing like you say John with Ailing sort of staying in that space because Luke Shaw is such a threat that if Rafinha loses him then you just you don't want a player like Shaw having that time and space on the left wing because it's going to cause us problems. So it might have just been to sort of stop that threat as well, but then it just left Pogba open. Mm, so yeah. <laughs> Right, Darren, what about your question? Yeah, I wanted to talk a bit about possession because we've talked a lot about what we did uh, defensively and, and highlighted how poor some of that was. But I, I kind of wanted to, to, to think about the the difference between urgency, which is what we want to see, and 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 being hasty uh, when you've got the ball, really, because it felt like when we when we were in possession, we were looking for the big knockout punch all the time, uh, rather than trying to build any sort of rhythm or any sort of control. Um, and and it felt like any time a defender got the ball, he was just looking at numbers, just players running away from him the whole time. And I, I just felt that our the way that we built up was was incredibly poor, was 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 too hasty, too quick, um, and made us reckless rather than proactive. Um, so I wanted to think about how we can how we can mitigate that, whether it's deliberate or how we can kind of make sure that we secure possession more effectively in future. Um, I know this is a thing that you're you've talked about a, a bit in the past as well, John. So yeah, what what do you guys think? Yeah, I was. This was something that sort of annoyed me a bit yesterday. Like the the sort of the strength of Leeds over the last three seasons has been able to sort of create overloads due to sort of like ha- having the built. So some sort of element of build-up of possession and controlling possession because then you, you get the overloads in those wide areas and you can commit men forward but by trying to go for that big pass as we did yesterday it just meant that it was sort of like Harrison Harrison was like isolated or Rafinha was isolated and it causes problems and I don't I think there was probably an element of it where it was like we were just trying to hit them on the break quickly because that was our best chance of scoring but also, I don't think we had the personnel to play a more controlled possession yesterday. So I think it was almost like we we were having to, having to do it rather than we maybe we didn't want to do it. But I do think there was, I think there's probably our best chance was probably going to come on a counter attack. But I just don't think that's where our strengths lie. I hear you. I think we were trying to hit them on the counter, but surely, surely there's got to be a decision made about whether a counter's actually on. You can't go looking for a counter when when actually that isn't possible. You can only do it when when they're in a, when they're in a condition where they've left space in one area or another, which you then exploit. But actually, they didn't do that at any point yesterday. So we were just effectively what it looked like to me is we were just banging the ball to their 
centre-backs or their full-backs without any kind of great hope of ever getting any attacking play going. And actually, I thought Rafinha was really guilty of this. He like I know Rafinha plays a lot of speculative passes. I know that his, his job is to create and to, to try and push push the issue but yesterday he just wasted possession constantly from areas where he was never really going to be able to create anything and I just found it incredibly incredibly frustrating but I think you're right I, th- I think it for me it highlights this need that we've got people have talked about as needing a creative 10 we need a creative 10 we need a creative 10 we don't need a creative 10 in my view what we need is an eight who can help us build up through the thirds and we just haven't got that at the moment um so yeah just that's my main source of frustration really yeah, just a few things to say here. Firstly, firstly, I agree with, with Tom in the sense that I think that we, over the last season and in the game yesterday, the, the emphasis has been on transition, quick transition, direct transition through wide areas. Um, and if we hadn't have had Rafinha last season, I think we, would have, we wouldn't have finished ninth. Um, yesterday, Manchester United just sat their fullbacks. They didn't need to attack in wide areas like I can barely think of many like there's a few times when Luke Shaw got forward there's a few times when Aaron Wan-Bissaka looked looked much better than I thought that he should be um, but a lot of the time I think they just sat there fullbacks and waited for us to try and find the channels and just just swept up um, and I think that's that was that, that was the problem is that our 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 attacking like model was okay we're not going to be able to build up through the through the middle or in in the ways that we usually do let's just try and find quick expansion through the wide areas and it just it just didn't play out that way at all um Harrison and Rafinha were largely anonymous yesterday like even just thinking now I can barely think of any on ball stuff that they did and I think that was just because the 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 approach was let's let's just not commit our fullbacks forward unless we're in like a clear possession um, phase and so as a result of that I think we were largely stymied and uh, I looked at Pascal Strack's passing statistics because of um, of one of our listener questions he had 100% of um, success rate in both short and medium range passings and then like 50% in long passing and it, it that's I think that's indicates what we were talking about there was that a lot of the time our our out ball was just a centre-back pinging the ball down into a channel towards Rafinha in in Strauch's case pretty much uh, and it and it not it not it not playing off and I think you're you're right Darren in that we need to have a better <laughs> possessional structure um but I just kind of think against Manchester United we just we aren't going to be able to do that and uh, I suppose that brings us back to the topic of it's going to be more indicative what we look like against Everton next week than than the Manchester United but I get I get the frustration because like you're in a scenario there where you're leeching away goals and you want to feel as though there's some kind of payoff for that, um, which is which is oh well you know at least we're causing them problems on the break. We did we did on a couple of occasions in the first half, um, but yeah I think I think that's that's where we're at right. It's 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 we don't have the the players to be able to to do that build up through the central spaces and then give our wide players just easier balls to control or or more scope to to lose their player it was just as you say bang it into them head height and and then act surprised when harry maguire gets to the ball first or, or luke shaw they're able to double team on on rafinha um in that way so any final thoughts on on the possessional st- structure and particularly i think the the i think it's the attacking structure really here isn't it? hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Okay, so we've got some listener questions. So this season, we're, what we're going to do is, rather than asking all of the listener questions, we're going to pick three questions that um, t- touch on topics that we think are interesting and we haven't touched on before so uh, the first one is actually on the the, the concept of the build-up that we we're just talking about this is from tom hc and he says i felt build-up from the back was very poor today hindered by strauk on the right side and a habit of no one filling the space between defense and midfield we seem to create a large area in the middle then no one would move into it and we'd end up going long is this due to no calvin phillips or right-footed right center back or is it a deeper problem because of this question i watched every um, possession involvement that Pascal had this morning just to assess whether the to try and get an idea really of whether there were any different options on from the ones that he that he took and whether his left footedness lim- limited him um, and and my view is that um, that the biggest part of the reason our build up was was poor was yeah we we did vacate the middle spaces but also the the Manchester United front four kind of varied their shape according to where the ball was so there were times when they looked like a two 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 there were times when they looked like a flat four and there were times when they looked like a three with 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 a with a striker ahead but the, the common denominator between all of those things is that, that they cut off the lanes to robin cock um and i what when i watched pascal this morning um he invariably chose the correct pass which was often the only pass that he had on um which was usually a, a short 10 yard ball to luke ailing with his with either his left or his right foot are the same to Cooper. And and what I will say about Pascal is that at least he retained possession for the team, which a lot of other people didn't uh, in the in the team. Um yeah, so that that was kind of my my thing on it this morning. I mean I agree with Tom H C in that I do think that having a left footed right centre back is an issue. Um, just because like obviously the way that you're facing makes a difference and make the easier passes are available the angles are, are there for a right footed right center back to be able to feed the ball down into the channel whereas a left if a left footed right center back is um is is making those passes you're obviously kicking across the ball towards the sideline so it, it narrows your angles down and I do think there's a lot there's a lot of chances but it's something that we've seen Llorente do a lot I think um, at least in pre-season was um, it feels as though they make that incisive run into the space and then they play a very sort of conservative sideways pass to to the fullback um, and weirdly it felt it's felt in particularly in pre-season and I think maybe towards the end of last season that the outlet was through the left-hand sided centre-back so that was usually Pascal Strauch at the end of last season so it didn't seem as though we were trying to build up through the right-hand side it felt as though we were trying to build up through the left-hand side and then 
Um, and then I guess treat Rafinha almost as that isolated player, um, which I guess is a change from from what we've seen in previous seasons where we overloaded on the right to isolate on the left and get Jack Harrison one-on-one with fullbacks. It now feels as though we've switched that and it's, that it's very much more about feeding the ball down the left-hand side to then isolate Rafinha against opposition fullbacks. Um, but yeah, I, I, I kind of feel as though the the build up was poor. I, I would prefer to have a right centre back, a right footed right centre back, but I don't think that's necessarily a problem. Yes, yeah, so, so would I. But I but I just just on a case by case basis is how I looked at it. Yeah, really yesterday. Yeah, I think not having Phillips will have been a bit of an impact here. Like we mentioned earlier, that I think he's better at making himself available for those passes. Um, some sort of a solution to this problem that we've seen in the past as well. There's um click sort of coming deeper. And doing almost like passing it off to Cooper. So in this case, it's been him getting the ball from Stroud, passing it off to Cooper, or passing it to one of the fullbacks. And I don't think we really saw that yesterday. Maybe he wasn't given the option to do that yesterday. I don't know, but it's. I think it's something that he seems to be doing less and less. Whereas I think he's quite a key when when we struggle in these times. It's something that clicks really good at. So I would just like to see that happen a bit more if this was a problem in the future. Um, but I'd also I do agree with you too that I do prefer a right-footed right centre back. At um, I think Tom. Tom Warville on the Athletic did a good piece on why having a left-footed um, left centre back is good and why it creates a space. So it's worth reading that just sort of get an idea of why sort of the way that a, a defenders um, their stance affects the way they can build up and why having a left-footed right centre back would be an issue. The, other, the only other thing I'd say on this actually is that because we seem to be playing super direct, um, I think. There's a they're mentioning here of us vacating the central midfield spaces, and I think we do that um, anyway. But usually we do that by building up in the wide areas, and you'll have like just the one player then who sort of facilitates the movements in the wide areas. So you can play those one twos. Um, you, you know, we all know what the that sort of like Luke Ayling and, and Stuart Dallas one two looks like, where they where they make this the pass into the central midfielder or the defensive midfielder, and then make the run down the line. That wasn't really happening, and if, I think when we play super direct football so when we are like hitting the channels and attempting to get into dangerous chances just through the the wide players picking the ball up hitting the byline and crossing it back we have to have our central players getting into those dangerous situations as well I mean that's that's one of the principles of positional players that you attack against a back four the channels between the defenders so there's four, five channels between four defenders and if you're going to play direct you have to get your central players into those channels quickly if you're playing quickly and that, that I think that is why we there were so many situations that's why one we weren't putting we weren't getting Mateus Click to drop in because I think if you drop in to help out in the build-up you then can't get forward quickly enough and so if we're going to be direct what's the point of dropping one of the centre midfielders in you've got to get them forward so you just hit the channel and the central midfielder goes forward and I think that's why on a couple of occasions it just feels like the, the midfielder just nowhere to be seen because they are they are doing that sort of attacking payoff where you have to get the central players forward and then hope that you can weather the the defensive transition that inevitably is coming after it um let's move on uh, Matt Chapman says Furpo discuss yeah I haven't really got that much to discuss on him to be honest um I think I'm, I'm struggling to sort of make a conclusion on him after one game or not, not even one game 45 minutes um mm. and because I he was on the opposite side of the pitch to me as well so that didn't really help my my viewing of him either um he looked I think he looked tidy in possession uh, from what I saw, but as yeah, I'm not. I haven't really got any sort of conclusion on him. I think once he gets a full game, and I think if he could get the full Everton game, I think that would be a much more 
better way to judge him rather than 45 minutes when he's when he's 1-0 down against Manchester United. Like Tom, I'm, I'm kind of not prepared to, to judge him on, on one game and particularly on one game in which the entire team capitulated. But it, I thought he was poor for the goal that Aylin cleared from behind the line. Um, not for the bit where you know Fernandez more or less sat him down in the box, but because he didn't spot the run early enough coming into the box and kind of looked like he'd switched off momentarily. Uh, but that happens to someone for every goal, so... You know, <laughs> what are you going to do? Um, I think I agree with Tommy. looks tidy enough in possession. I thought there were some, some you know, if, if I'm going to look for positives, I thought there were some slightly encouraging signs there in terms of him, you know, being able to facilitate build-up and, and kind of get involved and, you know, find, find his, his man on the left um, and, and kind of make the run for that one too. I thought, although it didn't come off often, I, I saw him do that quite a few times. Uh, but I don't think he was a huge a huge factor in the game, in all honesty. I, I, I think he'll, he'll be more uh, important and more central on Saturday. Yeah, no, totally agreed. And hopefully in that game, we'll see him doing a little bit more of the, the wide build-up and we'll we'll be trying to control the possession a little bit more and we'll get a better sense of that. But yeah, I thought he thought it was a good performance. So a little, a few questions about his positioning, but uh, I, I guess part of the reason why he's not being played at the moment isn't because of fitness issues, it's because he's still getting used to the system. So it's hard to complain that much about that. He seemed to take some quite narrow and zonal defensive positions uh, at times, I thought, um, which I thought was just interesting. It's just an observation. I haven't got a judgment attached to it, but yeah. I suspect that's probably just because he doesn't know what he's supposed to be doing at this <laughs> yeah, point. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. but hopefully, yeah, Everton will be will, will start start um, getting a better sense of what he's about. But yeah, I, I thought it was largely positive. I think, like you say, he's good in, good in possession. Um, and I think anyone looked poor in positionally yesterday to be fair so uh, it, would, it would be unfair to single him out on that one uh, final question from Jamie who says considering we're, we were missing Phillips do we actually look any better or more likely worse than last season I think as a as a squad and a team so Darren what's your take on this can't really judge how we're going to look all season based on this this particular outlier of a game is, is what I would say um, if you want to judge against against the 6-2 then I know some people have said we were better and and some people have said we were worse, but I just think it was. I think it was just as bad. I, you know, I think we gave away fewer chances, but I think the structural things that we did ahead of that were just as bad, or, or if not worse, than they were than they were last season at Old Trafford. But so yeah, but overall, really, I, I don't think we've we've got enough of a sample size to say whether we're better or worse than last season yet. Isn't the problem that we're look pretty much the same as last season right we 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 are still making the same mistakes and and we don't seem as though we've over overcome those problems i was doing the same as darren like I, i'm not going to prepare to say on the season but comparing it to the 6-2 my my only saying that were worse is that because bielsa has got the same things wrong again so he didn't seem to learn from it so that was my the only bit that's sort of saying the worst but yeah i'm not going to make a conclusion based on one game well, the next section is called positives, and I'm going to include this section every time we lose a game. Who wants to kick off here, Tom? Click looked pretty, sort of getting back towards his previous self. That was the impression I got from watching him yesterday. Um, even if I think he was he lost Fred for that the Man United fifth goal, but he's sort of looking more like he's getting back up to speed. Um, the only other positive is that we only conceded five this time, not six. That's good. Uh, scraping the barrel for positives, but I, I'll allow it. Darren? This is going to be the sound of a barrel being scraped as well. Um, <laughs> we we don't have to play at Old Trafford for at least 12 months is my biggest positive. I, I think other than that, what and, and I, I'm leaving myself open to, that dickhead on all stats, aren't we, said da-da-da this. And I actually think Pascal Strout played very well, uh, particularly in the first half. 
Um, I think it's difficult to say a, a central defender's played very well when they've when we've conceded five goals, but f- they were so exposed. They were so exposed, and I thought a lot of the things that he was required to do, he did really well. I mean, aside from having his moon boots on when when Greenwood was running past him, but I think Greenwood would probably outpace a lot of centre backs in this division. So I'm not gonna not gonna hold that against him. What I will say about Pascal is that it does feel as though in his short career so far. <clears throat> He's always sort of been, it's it's like that, it's like that um, meme, isn't it? Where there's a guy plugging a hole in a big vat of water. Um, Pascal is very much that duct tape over the hole, isn't he? And um, I felt that yesterday, like, yeah, okay, he, he I prefer him as a left-sided, uh, left centre-back, a left-footed left centre-back. But he gets dumped. He gets dumped there when 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 injuries require it. He's been dumped into defensive midfield when injuries require it. Um, he he definitely excels in in that left sided berth, um, but often doesn't play there. And I think I, I I agree with you. I didn't think he was. I thought he was pretty good yesterday. Um, I, I'm not I'm not holding centre backs to blame when when they have to run the the length of half of the pitch chasing a quick forward because we're taking up a suicidal high line and we're giving Paul Pogba the ball in space to find that pass. Not at all. But I, yeah, I think, I think he's, he's a, he's a smart player. He's positionally smart. I think he would, he did a lot of stuff yesterday that was, that was pretty smart. I don't think he was really at fault for any of the goals um, beyond, we can argue till the cows come home about that long run. Um, but my, yeah, to complete this scraping of the barrels in the, po- in the positive section, my, my positive is that Adam Forshaw was on the bench. Um, so, you know, you never know. We might see a cameo at some point this season. We've got another section here, which, well, we've not called anything yet. So maybe maybe if the listeners have got a, a catchy name for something to do with stats, because currently on the running order it says stats, something catchy. Um, but if, if anyone has any su- suggestions of what, what we can call this section, then do get in touch. But in this section, we're just going to discuss an interesting aspect of the game from a statistical point of view. Um, and yeah, I suppose something that, that we found interesting from the game. Um, and I think, Tom, you, you wanted to talk maybe a little bit about the XG and post-shot XG numbers. When I looked at the XG, I was actually surprised that Man- Manchester United only had 1.5 XG. Um, so cause I, it felt more dominant to me than that. But maybe just they, they scored all the shots that they took. So maybe that's why, whilst they were dominant, they didn't they didn't have to take it didn't take them many shots to score five goals. Um, our number was 0.6. If people are interested, but that was probably about fair. And uh, then the other one for me was the, the post shot XG that they're. Whilst ours was still 0.6, but their um, their post shot actually was 1.9, which I thought again would be higher considering like the quality of the, the finishing that they showed yesterday. Um, and it is a it is a keeping metric post shot XG. So I thought it maybe is there a discussion about Melier there? I think he was good, but I just think it's a discussion that maybe just worth having. Yeah, Darren, you're the goalkeeping expert. I didn't put him at fault for any of the goals, and and it's not it's not that I would. Def, you know, kind of, I've said before when he's when he's made mistakes, but I, I don't think he was responsible for any of the goals, and I don't really think he had a particularly good chance with any of them either. Um, yeah, I, I think I I thought he similar to last season, really kept us in it in the first half to a large degree with with a with a couple of really good saves. Um, then once they start going in, you know, like 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 we said several times that um, that that you know the 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 um play in front of the center backs exposed the center backs well it also exposes the goalkeeper by this by the same logic and 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 i guess that um if if you know xg as we, as we said before on the stats primer 
the reason elite players are elite players is because they perform above the league average, isn't it? So that that's why they they managed to get five goals from from such a relatively low xG because those players are well above the league average in terms of in terms of their likelihood of taking chances from there. We talked a lot about this, I think, when we were in the championship because it felt as though there's so many ga- games where we got FM'd, right? Um, because because you know there's games like against Cardiff when they have like two two chances and they score both of them. Um, there was the Luton game where Harry Cornick scored. I think their only chance of the game as well from from nowhere. And I think we've we've said that there 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 is probably some kind of element of Leeds United's game, which is that you, as you've mentioned, Darren, we do we do leave our defensive players exposed. We do leave our goalkeeper exposed. So when you're taking a chance from like you know from the edge of the area, which usually would be a low. Uh, percentage chance if that player is in just acres of space has the time to set themselves and take a, a decent chance that's obviously going to be a much better uh, it's going to be a much better more high like likelihood of going in than than if you're taking the same shot with with a huge numbers of defenders around you now some models do take those variables into account but um, I do feel as though leads do create easier opportunities as well by their play style um, compared to the, the the sort of opportunities that you see on the league average as well. So I just think that's worth saying um, as well. But yeah, I very much don't think that Melier was to blame yesterday. And I certainly think that um, that that looped chance where Pascal played it onto whoever he played Greenwood, I guess it would have been, when it nearly looped over him. I think that, was, that kept us in the game. Uh, that he also stood up to Paul Pogba one-on-one and did everything right in that. That kept us in the game. So yeah, it's it's one of those ones where... Uh, you know, you 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 can't just pick and pick and choose your data to to fit the fit the argument. Right, let's just close off then with uh, look forward to the game next weekend. So next weekend we are playing against Everton. We will be having a longer preview podcast episode out later in the week on our Patreon channel. So do check that out if you are interested in getting the lowdown on the Everton game. Everton played yesterday 1-3-1, went 1-0 down against Southampton, but came back uh, with a few late goals to get the win. Um, just looking at, I haven't watched the, the game back yet, so um, just looking at the, the, the lineups, they played a they played in a 4-2-3-1. This is the first league game under Rafael Benitez, so I guess it's a sense in which we are still going to be interested to find out what Rafa Benitez Everton looks like. Um, again, we're going to each ask a question here. So I'll jump in with mine here, um, which is which team would you prefer to face Ancelotti's Everton of last season or the Benitez Everton of this season? With that caveat that we don't really know what the Benitez Everton of this season is, is going to look like. But Darren, which, which Everton would you prefer to face? Uh, we don't know what this, this specific Everton uh, Benitez side will look like, but I don't think Rafa Benitez has sprung too many tactical surprises over over the last few years. I think I think we can we can be reasonably assured that they'll be uh, defensively sound, that they'll be well drilled, and that they'll be quite um, quite rigid in terms of the attacking style and the attacking play that that they do. So I think from that point of view, I'd much rather play Anche- Ancelotti's Everton because I think although there's a chance that they can play well and that 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 they can put you under it and 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 all the rest of it. Um, I think there are also there's also a really good chance that that then that that they're going to put in a performance like they did at Goodison Park, where they were incredibly passive, and 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 really played into into our hands that day in in a similar way that we did yesterday. So I'd rather play Ancelotti's Everton, but I, I suspect Benitez's Everton won't necessarily gather more points, but they'll be more difficult to play against. What do you think about the possibility, Tom, of playing a, maybe a slightly more solid deep-lying team that are going to try and hit on the break? 
yeah, I think it's it's a team that's probably more likely to cause us problems. Because um, we've well, any team like we've said many times in this podcast, any t- team in the world is going to struggle to break down a, a low block. Um, and le- we've shown many times that Leeds are going to struggle with that. Um, I I would agree with um, Darren that I think I'd prefer to face Angelotti's Everton. Um, I just I just think when they were attacking, they didn't really seem to have any sort of idea of what they actually wanted to do. It was very much like get try and get Rodriguez on the ball as much as possible, play play the ball out wide, and then just see what Dinier or one of the wingers can do. Um, so I, I just didn't think they had a very a, sort of attacking identity. Whereas I'm I'm only going off one match and what I've seen of match of the day, but the, at least I think the Benitez's Everton seems to have a focus on getting the ball into the box and sort of playing to Calvert-Lewin's strengths, um, which again could cause us problems. I've got a stat here that I'm just going to steal directly from match of the day, that they had 17 crosses yesterday and they averaged 12 last year. So my guess is that's the sort of way they're going to try and go, go this season. Um, and sort of like the Calvert-Lewin's physicality might end up causing us problems, but it, we did in a couple of get, in the games last year as well, so I don't think that's going to be much different. I guess the other interesting thing about the structure here is that they're playing in the same structure that Manchester United played in yesterday. Um, obviously, that 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 focus, as you've said, attacking-wise is is going to be a bit more, I guess, get the ball into wide areas and hit, the, hit Calvert-Lewin as a target man. Um, how do we feel about that possibility of, of I mean the differences between Manchester United where Manchester United were, were very direct through central spaces they were looking to play balls into attacking players in behind the defence and um, uh, and create goals that way whereas this feels as though it will be a, a completely different proposition it will be much more wide area oriented. Both of the goals that Everton scored at Ellen Road came through crosses last season um, and yeah, uh, one of them was from open play, and one of them was from a set piece, if I recall correctly. Um, so I think I think that it's it's the same old thing when we come up against teams that are good in those areas. We need to prevent the crosses because because Calvert Lewin is is really dominant in the air, and if we don't stop the crosses, then we'll be giving ourselves real real big problems. That means stopping the supply lines of the crosses as well, which means that when Everton's players get the ball in deep areas and they're looking to go wide and 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 high and direct, that we need to be able to make sure that they're, they're under pressure when they when they do that so I think I think it does ask some really interesting tactical questions of us I think it asks ta- interesting questions of our fullbacks who um, I think I think will have to play really well against their opposing winger and and Rafinha will have to track Lucas Digne all the way back in, in which to be fair he did he did track the times when Luke Shaw moved forward yesterday so I, th- I think it'll be it'll be a, a, a very different game from from yesterday but I think it'd be really interesting from that point of view. One thing we could see like similarities to from yesterday is that like when I looked yesterday, Demari Gray was actually lining up as the central player in the in the free uh, behind the striker. So and then he was like drifting wide, so they could again leave that space sort of unoccupied. And I don't think it'll be completely the same that there'll be a player sort of like Pogba. Well, there's definitely not be a player like Pogba causing those problems in the same way. But it will just ask us the same questions about the the holding midfielder following a player out wide and leaving that space unoccupied. So Tom was Richarlison dropping inside when when Damari Gray was going outside was it was it a kind of was it a, a rotation in from that point of view from from what you saw was it just a more of an overload? Yeah, it was more of an overload like Townsend was playing on the right and Gray was playing on predominantly the right-hand side as well. And that would make sense if they're trying to get the ball in from wide areas you just get you, you have that overload so that you can pass the ball around and get into a good crossing position. So yeah, maybe maybe 
the intention isn't to create space in the middle but I suppose that's still an issue right if you've got one of your double pivot then running into that space if the ball comes out um, there could be players tracking through that central area as well Right, as I've said, if you want to get a fuller conversation about Everton, I will be speaking to Joel Parker this week um, and that interview will go up on our Patreon and we'll have a discussion of that interview uh, on the preview episode. If you want to check that out and lots of other things, we put up a huge amount of content last week. Um, Josh has put up a, a video scouting report on Lewis O'Brien over there. We've had um, episodes on um, the, the socios, um, fan token debacle. We've spoke to Carlon Carpenter about his preview of Leeds for the season. If you want any of that, head over to our Patreon, which is www.patreon.com forward slash allstats, aren't we? Um, if you aren't a patron and you do want to help us out, the best way you can do that is by rating and reviewing our podcast on whatever app you listen to our podcast on. So if you could do that, that would be greatly appreciated. But that brings us to the end of the podcast. And all there is for me to do is to say thank you to Darren. Thank you. And thank you to Tom. Thank you very much. And we'll see you next week. Be positive. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.